This is episode number 21 with the James Altucher Takeover. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. What is up, greats? Thanks so much for checking this out today. I finally got my voice back. It was pretty much gone the whole week, and it's still a little raspy, so hopefully it don't mind too much. But it's good to have it back and uh, being able to communicate with full energy and power with all of you guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed James Altucher. I loved that episode. The guy's super funny and uh, very wise in his years. Had a lot of ups and downs. But uh, finally, bringing it all together. So, if you haven't checked that out yet, if you're if you're new to this podcast, make sure to go check that out right now because it's pretty cool. However, after the interview, James said, "Hey, I want to take over your show, and I want to interview you." So, James and I ended up doing an extra thirty or forty minutes where he interviewed me and uh, kind of broke down a lot of stuff that I haven't really talked about with the early hustle and the early work that I did. Uh, a few years back in the beginning of my kind of business career. And it was interesting to to kind of share and to, ha- to have uh, James ask the type of questions that he did ask. So this one is all about James taking over the School of Greatness, interviewing me, and uh, me kind of opening up more about the hustle and the greatness um, that I believe in. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. I'm going to get into uh, a quote of the day because I want to keep up with the quote of the the show. And this one is by my good friend, Jonathan Fields, who's actually in his book. And the quote is, cultivation of a growth mindset starts with an understanding that greatness is largely about work. So keep that in mind as you're listening to some of the stories that both James and I are sharing today. But uh, a lot of what I've accomplished has been because I've worked my freaking butt off for a long time, and uh, I met the right people at the right time as well. So I'm going to go in and dive into that and what I had to overcome to kind of get to where I am right now. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it and you're willing to hear what I have to say. I've got some more solo rounds that I want to come out with in a little bit, but uh, this one, again, is James Altucher taking over this episode. Uh, had a cool picture posted on Instagram today. This is the fan of the week, Dave Conray. I think I was saying your last name right. Dave Conray, who is Fresh Rag on Instagram. He posted a picture just with a big, huge, uh, <laughs> huge barbell or dumbbell on the ground with his sneakers and uh, said, bent over rows while listening to At Lewis Howe's School of Greatness. So uh, it's a great workout for your mind and your body, he says. So thanks for listening while you work out. And again, keep posting pictures wherever you are in the world. Getting pictures from all over the place from you guys on Instagram, tagging where you're listening to the School of Greatness. I appreciate you all. And I thank you so much. It means a lot to me. And that's why I keep doing this each and every week. So with that, hope you enjoyed this interview where James Altucher takes over and interviews me on the School of Greatness.
I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. So this is James Altucher, and I'm taking over Lewis Howe's podcast. I've got Lewis Howe with me here in the studio, and we're going to talk about what makes Lewis Howe's success and how he can help you. So, Lewis, are you up for the challenge? Um, I'm ready and willing. And, Lewis, to be up for the challenge, I'm going to ask you detailed questions. So you've got to be able to, you got to, be able to answer. You ready for it? You can ask me anything you want. All right, good. So, first of all, I know you're in the business of helping people deliver value through LinkedIn. But I want to talk about before that, I want to talk about sports because I'm not an athlete at all and you are. And what I know you were, you were a professional football player, you're a college athlete, you're an Olympian, you're like this mega athlete, uh, you know, incredible. So what lessons uh, from athletics you bring with you now into your daily life. And I'm sure your, your podcast listeners know this, but I want to learn this for myself. You know, I think, uh, I feel like I'm very blessed to have grown up as an athlete transitioning into just the rest of my life in the business world, because there's so many lessons I learned in sports, uh, that I've been able to translate and, and being completely ignorant about business and making money. I had no clue how to make money after playing pro football. I was, pretty much training my whole life in the summers and the off season and, you know, spring break. I never had to get a job because my dad was just like, go train. If this is your dream, I'll support you. So I didn't know how to make money and it was very scary to me in the beginning. Um, but some of the things I learned specifically, uh, belief, I think belief was probably one of the biggest things, believing in myself that if there was anything I wanted to do, I could make it happen if I just took the right steps to make it happen, if I found the right team, if I learned enough, if I worked hard enough at it, uh, that I could do it. And it really helped me with building confidence because the more I learned, the more I failed in sports and then succeeded and won and continued moving up to the next level, the more confidence I gained. 
And um, it taught me a lot about flexibility. Well, well, but but Lewis, let, let me ask you about let me ask you about that though. So you're a professional football player uh, in a, in a arena football. Yep. What happened? You didn't make it to the pros. Yep. I, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call that out as a failure. Now I know it's not, and you took your lessons from it. But how did you feel that moment when you knew that that dream was going to come true? It sucked. It was uh, it was very depressing because I put all my eggs in one basket, and I said, "This is my life. I have to play in the NFL, or I have to play some type of major pro sport." And um, yeah, when I I had a couple tryouts in the NFL and didn't perform as well as I should have at the tryouts. Uh, so I played arena football and thought I was going to move up after the first year, got injured and really didn't have a chance to go back due to this injury. I had to have surgery and recovered for about a year and a half. And it was really low for me because I didn't know what to do next. I had no, I barely went to school, let alone get any good grades at school. I barely passed class just to be able to play football. So I didn't have like a skill, uh, experience, a job, nothing. And my whole passion was gone. Playing sports, it was it was gone. So for me, I was just depressed for a while. But I, I always imagine, and this is kind of like the the nerdy fantasy of what happens in in sports and semi professional sports and so on. That once that part of your life is over, there's all these big shots at investment banks who are willing to like just hire you to have you around. Like that didn't happen, you know some of that happened there was like sports sponsorship companies and things like that that wanted to bring me on but i couldn't get myself to to work for anyone there was something inside of me that would not allow me to like every time i'd get an interview or someone would say yeah let's offer you something in this sports sponsorship job or sports marketing i just couldn't move forward with it it was like this i felt like i was killing myself a little bit if i did something like that because it wasn't what i was passionate and working for someone else wasn't what i ever wanted to do so, so what was your first step into kind of the entrepreneurial world? Well, actually, step back further. My dad was a had become a pretty successful life and health insurance agent, and he had this big book of clients. And he was about to retire in five or six years. And he's like, he said, when I was done, he's like, I'll just give you my book of clients. You can work with me for a few years, and then when I retire, you take it over. And I wow. remember, and I remember thinking to myself, man, this sounds like a great opportunity. I could be making a lot of money right away, you know, have it pretty easy, but it was just, I couldn't even, I don't know. I, I couldn't go work there. I couldn't do any of it I, just because I felt like, oh, it's not mine. It's not something I've built. It's not anything I'm passionate about. Like dealing with insurance every day sounds so boring to me. And I just knew I couldn't do it. I knew I had to figure out a way to make money on my own. I wish I had a dad like that, actually. <laughs> uh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So, so what did you do? So yeah, I was sleeping on my sister's couch for about a year and a half uh, while I was recovering from surgery. And that whole time I had a I had a laptop, a guitar, and a couple bags of clothes. So I was there eating her macaroni and cheese and leftover food, whatever she had, wasn't paying any rent, was pretty much worthless around the house, wasn't even helping clean up after myself, really. I was pretty much a, a worthless piece of crap. And I'm, I'm super grateful that my sister was just loving and supportive of me. And after about a year and a half, she was like, all right, isn't it time you, uh, you, you go get a job? But until then, she was just very supportive. What I did, though. But what were, you doing during, what, what were you doing during that year and a half? What I was doing was a mentor of mine said, I was, I was reaching out to a bunch of people that I felt were successful that I wanted to be like. And a mentor of mine said, why don't you check out LinkedIn? There's a lot of people on there. There's about 15 million people on there at the time. 
Uh, I'm hearing about a lot of people getting business opportunities and job opportunities. Maybe you can meet some people in your local, you know, in, in Columbus, Ohio, and see if there's any opportunities for you. So I just did exactly what people told me to do that I trusted. And I went on LinkedIn for about six to eight hours a day for the next year. And all I did was look up people in different companies that I thought would be interesting to meet. And I connected with them one-on-one on LinkedIn. I would do research about them. I would send them personalized emails. And I asked them if I could meet them in person uh, somewhere in Columbus or around Columbus. And for that year, year and a half, I met with hundreds and hundreds of people one-on-one or talk to them on the phone and literally just interviewed people and asked them about how they got to where they are in their, their career or their, their business and just met successful people and asked them what they did to get there. And okay. So let's, let's, let, let's dive into that for a second because at some level, like if you write to the CEO of GE, he's not going to respond to you. Sure. At what, what level were you writing? Like, and at what level were you getting resistance And, you know, you know, the idea of the not everybody understands the idea of the personalized and the research letter. Yeah. Like I get a lot of emails. uh, Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? If I had all that coffee, I would be drinking coffee 27 hours a day. So (laughs) exactly. I had a couple don't normally respond (laughs) to messages. I think I had a couple things working for me. I had I had mastered the art of like. Uh, crafting my profile to make it look really good. I learned, I tweaked it a bunch. I'd researched. I was like always updating it, trying to make it look better so that I could get responses. So I looked interesting enough to other people when I'd reach out to them. And I was, I had the pro athlete cards. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so, so tell me how you made your, your profile interesting. What are like four tips to make sure. the profile interesting? Well, you know, most people just put like, uh, I work at XYZ company or looking for a job or new opportunities or, you know, CEO of this or whatever it may be. But really it doesn't tell you anything about them. It just tells you where they're working. So I started thinking, well, how can I tell a story better so that people are more intrigued? And what I would do is my headline, I would tell people more who I am, who I help, and how I help them. So there's two things you can do on your headline, which is do that. Tell the story of who you, who you are, who you help, and how you help people. Um, or you can just and listen. what did you put? What did you put back then? And so I put like former pro athletes, world record holder, and two sport all American or something like that, like early on. So I was going for the like, let me make it look really interesting effect, the kind of the wow effect initially. And that worked for me. So I started like telling a story in my profile. Uh, I just really made it look really pretty and, you know, professional, but kind of had more like a wow factor with my, my summary and everything with everything I had accomplished, I guess I used that to my advantage. And I was reaching out to former athletes, people in the sports world. So it was easier for me to connect by kind of playing that I'm a world record holder. I played pro football, even though I wasn't in the NFL, I still played and whatever. So I just kind of played along that and it would get me responses. And I was reaching out to, you know, the former, the founder of ESPN uh, responded to me and we're now good friends. And I've, you know, connected with him many times and other big presidents and CEOs. Uh, they were re- responding to me and what I was doing though, I was making very personalized emails and I, I like to break down three barriers. Um, so when I, when I would reach out to them, I would say something very personal in the first line, like, hi, James, we don't know each other, but I noticed that 
Uh, we've got 13 different connections, and I was just speaking to Tim Sykes last week about you. So initially, I would break down the barrier of connections, even if we didn't know each other. The second thing uh-huh. might, I would might say, I noticed also that you're from New York City, and I used to live in Union Square, actually. Uh, so I'm sure we've you know eaten at the same restaurants or something like that. So you talk about location. And the third thing could be hobbies, interest, or education. So I might say, oh, I noticed that you um, – you write for the Washington Post. Uh, I wrote for them as well. Or I noticed that you went to Ohio State University, which I'm from, you know, whatever it may be. So you're breaking down three barriers of connection points in a very brief email where you don't ask for advice or for help at all, where you more ask them um, about their success. And I think people are turned off when you ask for help or advice or can you look over my resume or can you make an introduction or anything like that but when you make it about them and their success people are more inclined to respond at least that's my experience but so, then how would you bridge the gap to get like an actual meeting um usually from there i would just say i'm really interested in hearing about your success with uh you know for the espn thing i, I went what i would did I, I started a blog and i and i started it saying i would like to feature you on my site for some of these successful people so some of it would be i'd want to feature them other people it was just I wanted to meet them and uh, hear about their success. And for whatever reason, people would take meetings with me. I don't know if it was because I had the pro athlete card or whatever it was, but I did it in a way that uh, you know didn't take up a lot of their time, and I wasn't asking for anything. So I think I didn't turn people off that way. <clears throat> and the more I did this and, – and, and you were offering value. You were offering to feature them on exactly, something, which is yeah. always good for people. Exactly. Offering a feature. And the more I did this, the more I realized that, uh, and I wouldn't ever ask people for advice or anything. I would just want to ask them questions about their success. And people love to talk about their success. If I asked you, you know, how'd you make millions of dollars? Of course, you're going to like sharing about your success. And the more I did this, people would always ask me at the end. I would never ask for anything. And then at the end, they would always return with, you know, oh, you're like a great guy. I appreciate the time. Is there anything I can do for you? And I would never ask them to do anything for me. I would never say, yeah, you know, I'm looking for an introduction here or this and that. I would always put it back on them and say, no, I'm just really looking to connect and I just want to add value in any way. And I would always finish with what's the biggest challenge you're having right now with your company or with this or with that. And people would really open up and say, well, my biggest challenge is we're looking for like a web designer or a new person in sales or we're looking for, you know, whatever it may be. We're looking for someone to help us grow this or someone with e-commerce experience. And I'd be like, you know, I just met like one of the top web designers in the area last week, actually. Here's what he's done. Here's what he's worked for. I'd love to make the connection for you right now if you're interested. And he'd say, yeah. And what I would do is I'd get on the phone with that person right then. I'd call them and say, you got to meet the president of this company. Here he is. I just want to put you guys in touch really quick. I'm going to follow up with an email and introduce you guys. And I think the more I actually took action as fast as possible to connect people when they had a challenge, that's when things started to flow. That's really interesting. So you were getting like you were doing like permission networking, yes, um, by essentially getting permission on both sides. And then would would you grab value in the middle? Like would you essentially take a part of the fee if a, if somebody did a website for somebody or or a service? I never did that in the beginning. For now, I do sometimes now with uh, different things with like coaching and uh, different introductions like that. But for a number of years, I didn't. And really, I don't, there's no need to now because. It's got to come back one way or another in the future. Uh, I don't think I need to take the referral or the commission, but I, I can if I want to. But um, yeah, 
I would never really ask for anything. I was just saying. Oh, well, so, so what's next? How do you, how do you uh, translate that then into uh, value? I think once I started having, once I started creating products, I was able to get a lot of sales from my network. People were just buying because they wanted information from me. People would always ask me about LinkedIn, social media, online marketing, things like that. As my skills started to develop, they, all these connections were like, man, you're doing some great things online. I'd love to learn this stuff. Uh, so I started. Who, 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 who would say that? Like, so obviously the head of ESPN or the head of the web design sure. company wasn't saying that who would actually say that to you mostly small business owners entrepreneurs uh freelancers things like that so, so these were people who you were connecting with in the same way as the espn people but they were yeah these were more people that i would be like i would host these uh kind of linkedin networking events all around the country and this was more that audience this like kind of the mainstream small business owner audience that i was bringing together I, i'd built up these huge groups in this large network on LinkedIn during this whole time, as I was meeting people one-on-one, I was connecting with lots of people, thousands. I think I have almost 25,000 direct connections on LinkedIn, plus a couple hundred thousand in different groups that I've built up. So I was like, it was hard for me to do one-on-one connections so much. There's only so many you can do. And so I started saying, well, why don't I just bring everyone together in these cities and let them meet each other and connect and grow their business. And so I did 20 of these around the country. And uh, that was the audience that really needed my advice. They were like, can you help me? Can I, cons- can you hire as a consultant for this online marketing or this LinkedIn or social media stuff? And I did a little bit of that early on to make some money, but I realized that wasn't scalable for me. And it wasn't something that I really enjoyed as like one-on-one, um, trading my time for money. And right. then I started creating these products, writing books about it, creating products. And that's when I started to realize the value and the importance of building a strong network. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So let me ask you this, your, your first event that you did, so, so you're like a, a networking superhero and what always got me into comic books when I was a kid was the secret origins of the superheroes. Mm. So what was like your first networking event like, were you nervous? How many people? What kind yeah. of people? Like, what happened? I was extremely nervous because I was 24 and I was hosting an event in St. Louis, Missouri, because I had built up kind of this group there on LinkedIn. So I, I hosted, I saw other people were doing like tweet ups around this time. This was back in 2008, like end of 2008. Everyone was doing like tweet ups or meetup.com was popular. So I was like, I could throw one of these events. These are like the events that people are doing are pretty bad. I was like, I can do a better event. But I was young. I was 24. I didn't have a job. And everyone that I brought in was like late 20s, late 30s, late 40s. They all had careers, jobs. And I was a nobody. So I was really nervous. I was not sure if people were going to show up. I made the first one free. And I hosted it at like this bar and restaurant in St. Louis, Missouri. And I remember getting there an hour early. I put on like my nicest suit jacket and was like trying to look really good. And like, like I knew what I was doing, got there early and there was about 350 people that showed up and it was a huge hit. Everyone was super grateful. People were doing wow. deals. People were connecting everyone, you know, people were making introductions for each other. And I was getting emails left and right the following weeks from people saying, you've got, when's the next event? This was amazing. The people here were great. A lot of great prospects for me. When's the next event? Um, and I and actually, I bet you, I bet you when this was happening, you were, I bet you when this was happening, you were feeling so good about the value you were creating oh, that you did not once, this is just my guess. You did not once think about money. Well, I was broke. So I thought a little bit about it, but I was more excited about, <laughs> I was more excited about, uh, you know, the, the experience people were having and seeing results for them. It made me feel good knowing that I was helping them more. And I knew the money was going to come. I just didn't know how to make it happen yet. So the first event I sold like four tables of sponsorships or something for like 250 bucks each. So I made like a thousand bucks. I pretty much broke even. And I remember I was like, I wonder if people will show up if I charge $5 because I made it free the first time. So I was like, I wonder if they'll show up, I'll charge $5. So I do it again the next time I charge $5 because there was like probably 10 or 20 people that were just kind of riffraff that weren't, were kind of like sleazy. And I was like, ah, these people are kind of lame. So I was like, I wonder if this will scare away these riffraff and you know, maybe we'll get a hundred people. Hopefully it won't scare away everyone. And it ended up being more people. I think there were like 400 people paid $5. It was more quality people. And there was like very few riffraff. And uh, I sold sponsorships and I sold $5 a ticket to get in. So I had all this cash now this time and people loved it even more. Now there's this buzz around it. Like when's the next one? Like let's make it bigger and better. And I'm going to bring these people and invite these people. And, and they were promoting the group for me that I had built on LinkedIn. So I was building this huge network 
by just cultivating a great audience. You're almost building a mini LinkedIn within LinkedIn. I was building a mini LinkedIn within LinkedIn. I was building these different groups all around the country in various cities that I could help connect people and bring them together. And uh, yeah, it was basically a mini LinkedIn and I was just cultivating it very well. I was sending them content or sending them articles, videos, helpful tips to help them grow their business. And then I was bringing them together. Well, then was it hard to kind of jump to the next city and start fresh uh, with the, with the meetups again? It, it, or was it the same experience? After the first one, it, it was pretty much like I kind of had my own system down and I knew what to expect. It was just a matter of like figuring out logistics of location and restaurants and things like that. But it was, it was pretty much the same thing in every city. So, okay, so what's what's the most you made on an event? You know, during this period, like you were getting bigger and bigger, and you were charging more and more. So now you were making a living or somewhat of a living. Yeah. Um, what 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 were you making? I probably made you know around like five thousand dollars from events. It wasn't you know for me it was a lot of money, but it, it started to become a lot of work. This was all cash, and I was like twenty four, twenty five at the time. hadn't made wow. any, hadn't made any money before that, and was living on my sister's couch. So finally, I was like, okay, I'm making enough money to like give my sister some money, rent money. And, uh, so, but it was very, it started to become very like emotionally draining and energetically draining because I was, I wanted to shake every person's hand at every event and talk and listen. And you do that for four hours, you know, a couple times a month, it gets exhausting and promoting it and planning it every time. I was just like, uh, after 20 of them, I was kind of, I wanted to move on. I couldn't really scale it any bigger. I didn't know how to do it. And I need to make some more money without having to work as hard. I started doing webinars. I had a book out because people were like, I need to know this LinkedIn information. I wrote a book. The book wasn't making me any money, obviously. I mean, it was making a little bit, but you know, I didn't make it that much of a LinkedIn book, but it gave me the credibility. And it wasn't until I did my first webinar, a guy named Joel Calm, who wrote a book about AdSense, actually, he invited me to come on a, a webinar. He said, you know, this information you've been teaching about in your book is amazing, and no one knows about LinkedIn. So I'd love for you to come on and talk about how people can grow their business using LinkedIn with your strategies on a webinar to my audience. So I get on there, talk for 45, 50 minutes and just give away tons of free content. It's all free. And at the end, I offer like a three-day kind of like live webinar bootcamp training about LinkedIn. I just give them more advanced strategies. And I'll never forget, this was the moment when I realized that I wasn't going to have to worry about money again, that I knew that I could turn my information, my advice, my expertise, my network into an amazing lifestyle, an amazing living if I add the right type of value. And this is when it all shifted was at the end of the webinar, we closed the webinar down. I offered the training, not sure what was going to happen. And I remember I opened up my email and my entire inbox, I think the first 50 lines or whatever or Everything said, you've received pavement and all the different lines. And I remember just being in shock about how fast money came in within 60 minutes of doing a free thing for people and giving them value. All these people bought my product, my live training, and I made $6,300 in basically 60 minutes. And I was screaming, running around the apartment, freaking out. I felt like I was rich making that much money in an hour. That's great. And so, so, so how many people showed up for like the webinar, for instance? I think there were around 500 people on that webinar. 
And they were like asking questions online. There were some yeah. software you're using. I gave a presentation. Yeah, it was like go to webinar. I gave a presentation at the end. They were asking questions. I was answering the questions, and then I did a horrible job presenting. And I mean, I was giving a content, but like as a presenter, I was really bad. I was really nervous, stumbling, stuttering, everything. My slides were ugly, uh, but the content was still good. And I didn't sell really that well at the end. I was just kind of like, here's my thing. Like, hope you guys enjoy this, and see you later. You know, I was really timid. And people still bought. And I remember thinking to myself, holy crap, I can do this every single day for the rest of my life if I want to make $6,000 in an hour. I was like, this is great. I'm going to be rich. And uh, I, I just remember saying, if I continue to give value and give away stuff for free, then the money's going to come in. And um, that's what happened. Over the last three, four years, I've probably done like 700 live webinars. And we've probably done well over $5 million in sales in the last two, two and a half years alone by giving free content to, on a free webinar and then at the end offering some type of advanced training course. If they wanted more, they could sign up for more. If they didn't, then they could leave with something for free and still take action on the free content. Okay, so so what would you give, what kind of stuff would you give away for free? I would give away some of my best strategies. So if it's a link, if it's a LinkedIn presentation, we talk about a lot of different social media topics, online marketing topics, but say it's LinkedIn, I would teach people how to increase their ranking on LinkedIn so that if anytime someone typed in sports marketing, I could get them to the top of the search engine, let's say, in LinkedIn. And that way, they're going to be attracting more clients, more customers, more leads by being kind of number one, number two spot on the LinkedIn rankings. So any keyword you have, I would teach that live on a webinar. Let's say you're a web designer or you're a realtor in Columbus, Ohio, or whatever it may be you want to be ranking number one, I would teach them that for free. And people would be blown away by the results they were getting. And people were getting $5,000, $10,000 customers from just this one thing that they would do. So I'd have a lot of success from just teaching this free stuff. I would also talk about how to optimize their profile, how to get more connections, how to do all these different things. In the advanced course, I would teach them even more, how to, about, how to build up a huge group and build an email list and all this other stuff. Uh, so I'd really so, show so the value. In the advanced stuff, it's almost like you were showing them what you did. Exactly. So, so then what do they do with that? Like once they have an advanced group, how do they then, or do they monetize it in the same way that you monetize it? Or like, yeah. how do you suggest that they monetize it? Most small business owners and entrepreneurs that are on these webinars want more leads, traffic, and sales. That's what pretty much everyone wants. If they have a business or website, they want more traffic. They want to convert that traffic into, into leads, and they want to convert those leads into buyers or customers or clients. So with having a LinkedIn group, you're basically building a mini LinkedIn, a network of people that are your potential customers, your target audience, you're turning them into a group. And there, you're able to send a message out once a week to this group, to their actual email. And so it's like free email marketing from LinkedIn. And you can put links in there, videos, you know, you can send them to a sales page, an opt-in, you can send them to a webinar, whatever you want to send them to, but you can get traffic, leads, and sales from building a free group, free marketing, and sending emails to that group. Wow, this is really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna build a LinkedIn group. <laughs> you should. Everyone should. And so now so so like this week or this month, how many LinkedIn webinars did you do? I I've kind of scaled back from doing I used to do a, I probably did like seven hundred live in the last three, four years, but now I'm doing where I publish people to to give the presentations as opposed to me doing as many live. So I uh, we do about one a week now that's live. And it's on a different topic every time. And sometimes we'll do automated webinars. 
where we're just driving traffic to an, a webinar that we're just having on autopilot so we don't have to show up anymore. So I've kind of learned how to maximize my time, leverage my time more. So I don't have it to seems, always show up. It seems like that's actually a theme. So um, at first yeah. you were sleeping, like you were sleeping on your sister's couch. Yeah. Then you wanted to make money while you were sleeping. <laughs> so you would invite people to these events. And so it's not like one-on-one, -on -one, but you can make money in, in right. all at once in four hours at having a, an event in different cities and stuff. But you wanted to abstract away from that. So you started holding um, these webinars where you would then sell products out the back end. Yep. So again, you're making money. You're making you're sleeping more and making more money. But I and, then now, yeah. and, and now you're you're you've abstracted away from the concept of, of you holding the webinars, but you almost like uh, curate. Yes. Uh, what you think are good webinars, and that has value because you're you've become an expert in the space. Yep. So it's it's that's kind of the path or the career arc that that you've been taking, and I imagine you know it's going to keep on evolving. You know who knows what will happen next, but I imagine it'll be along the same type of arc. Yeah, like, I, do you have any have any plans for the future? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to do bigger and better things and leverage my time and energy more effectively so that I can become a better human being do things that inspire myself and then do uh and then in return inspire more people uh, on a larger scale so my my goal is to figure out how to scale everything in a larger audience um and keep offering value whatever that may be and maybe linkedin's going to be done in six months or two years who knows so the goal is not what it's going to be but how it's going to be you teach people also like you have Facebook webinars, Twitter webinars, everything. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, uh, YouTube. You know, pretty much email marketing, blogging, affiliate marketing. Pretty much everything about online marketing. We bring in the top experts. We curate their content. We teach them how to give live webinars. A lot of times, we'll we publish their products for them, and then we'll promote them for them. Uh, uh -huh. So, kind of become like a little publishing house now. So when you say we, how many people do you have working with you? Uh, I've got a business partner for that specific company, okay. and then we've got a, a few employees. My my mom works for us full time, and then that's great. A couple customer support, and then uh, probably hiring on a. We've got like a, a web team as well that we outsource to. So it's pretty. Lean so what, for your company, what was your what were your revenues for the past year? The past year went down a little bit. It's probably right around uh, just over two million in sales. Wow. And That's great. the year and a half was about two and a half million. I had kind of taken a step back for about a year and really I, I kind of started doing some different things in my business and my life. I was focusing on playing in the Olympics and trying to do all that. So I was pursuing other things, step back. But fortunately enough, we had built up enough of a system in place that we pretty much did just almost as much in sales last year as we did the previous year when I was working, you know, 10, 15 hours a day. So it's uh, it's nice. That's incredible. So, what would you say is this is very inspirational? How you built this up and 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 use LinkedIn and other things to build this this. You've chosen yourself basically yes. uh, to, to to steal the title of my book. You've chosen yourself to to uh, uh, make this new career that didn't even exist ten years ago. Exactly. Yeah, I created something. I mean, I've I learned how to leverage everything to like make money from it. And it started with those events. It started by, okay, I'm going to sell a sponsorship and make a couple hundred bucks. And then I'm going to sell tickets. And then I was like, what about the food and bar sales? All these people are buying food and drinks. So I started negotiating with them and saying, hey, can I get a 15% cut on all the food and bar sales? And if they spend more than 5000 can I get a 20% cut? So I started making money that way. 
I started selling my books at the events. I started getting consulting from people. I started doing everything. I was like, how can I leverage the value I'm bringing to monetize it? And that's what I've done in my life now and uh, the couple of companies I have, just leveraging everything to monetize it. So, so let me ask you a question. Like, have you thought about uh, making an agency where you start doing this for, for big brands? Uh, it's crossed my mind, but I feel like that's to be a lot more work. And yes. it's not something I want to do. I think I don't want to do a lot of time consuming tasks. The reason I bring it up is like once you have an agency where you have people paying you on a monthly basis a, a big amount, you could sell that ultimately for millions of dollars to other agencies. Sure. Yeah. I just feel like it'd be a lot of work. I look at like Gary Vaynerchuk and how much work he's put in in the last couple of years to build his agency. And he's built something amazing with a couple, yes. of employ- a couple of employees now and however much he's doing in revenue. But I just think about how much energy and time that he's been spending on the road to sell and speak just to get clients in. And, and I, uh, you know, he's been hustling, but it's not something that's what I, I'm, I'm living a good lifestyle right now and I'm still growing financially and I'm pursuing other things in my life, handball, Olympics, my health that I think are more important. Kind of like what you talk about the balance of living the dream in your book that being on the road every day speaking and being on the conference calls all day and consulting is not a priority to me because I want to live a, a great life, a balanced life and pursue the things that are interesting to me as well. Well, Lewis, this is fantastic. I mean, on our earlier podcast, I mentioned to you that I feel like every day is an adventure just from even the people I meet and the things I get to do. And having this podcast is, is very inspirational. It's really great to, to hear the story of what, of what you've done. So thank you. congratulations. And uh, thank you for letting me take over your, your podcast for the half hour. I'm glad I had a chance to do it. And, um, you know, good luck. I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thanks, Lewis. have it guys i hope you enjoyed part of my story that i continue to share a little bit over these episodes and over these podcasts uh if you enjoyed this please leave us a review over on itunes leave us an honest review and feedback and also you gotta have all the show notes over at schoolofgreatness.com make sure to go check out the new site design as well let me know what you think put a lot of time and energy into making this more efficient for you guys and more effective looking and useful and helpful resources so check it out schoolofgreatness.com again keep posting pictures wherever you are in the world listening to the show and i'll give you a shout out one of these times i hope if you post a sweet picture with that guys hope you have an amazing week and until next time make sure to do something great (laughs) 